0: your hand than that one. Come on now. That's the spirit of what STSA is all about. Being willing to do anything, anything, no matter how funny it makes you look, all for the sake of God's glory. That's what the church is all about. And that's why we are happy that they did that. And we maybe have some more funny stuff that might take place here today as well if the spirit is moving in that kind of a way. Just to kind of catch us up to speed of where we are, we are on the finale of a series called Blessed. Okay, and a series that we started several weeks ago, talking about how to live a blessed life. And we agreed that all of us want to be blessed. And if we want to be blessed, Jesus said that a life of blessing is not in receiving, but a life of blessing is in giving. And what we've been talking about the past several weeks is how God wants us to give and give generously. And we agree that the most valuable commodities that God wants us to give of, like the two things that kind of signify where your heart is, is your money and your time. Because those are the two things that are the most valuable to us. I don't want to part with my money, and I don't want to part with my time. So those are the areas that really, when we give them to God, we'll really see blessing in those areas. And when we withhold those areas from God, we'll never find blessing. We agreed in the very, very, very beginning. Just for those who are here, week one, kind of the the story... That, um, that we kind of talked about is the story of the five loaves and the two fish. About how that little boy wanted to receive, to give. And once he gave, God blessed. But if that boy had kept in his pocket, there would never have been any blessing this day. But because he gave, he found blessing. All right. So now today, today's topic. Today is the finale. We're going to wrap up everything that we have talked about so far. And today is going to be less teaching. Okay, and more of a plea from my heart, all right? And what I want to do today is kind of talk about the reason why we do all that we do and the reason why we're talking about everything that we're talking about. And it's a desire... What's going on? I told you there's fun stuff today. Help them out, guys. The volunteer song took guts, that took guts, all right? That took guts, but that was fantastic. That... The thing is, if you wanna know how that came about, last week I was, I went on vacation last week, so I left on Sunday, like right, like I left to church, and I left right away, and I came back late last night. So before I left on Sunday, finished the talk here, and I told them, next Sunday, I want a flash mob at the very beginning of the world. <laughs> They said, what's that? I said, I don't care how you do it. Figure it out. Just find a way. I want, to, I want some kind of singing at the very, very beginning. And I just kind of threw it at them, so we appreciate all that you guys did. I told you there's going to be some wacky stuff here today, all right? Because we've been talking about blessing, so if we're going to talk about blessing, then God has to bless us. And if we are going to receive God's blessing, we're going to receive it in multiple ways. And that's why something else—I don't know if anyone saw this on their way into the, the well here today— I don't know where in the world this came from, but this is the blessing of God upon our church today. Because what this is, is a man who I don't know who he is. I didn't even meet him. This man, that's a good man right there. He's got a family of four. This says you get a free single burger at a place called 75 Flavors. At a place called Z Burger. Why would they put 75 Flavors on the front without the name? It's apparently called Z Burger in very small font at the back, okay? But everyone can grab one of these on the way out here today, okay? You can just go, and that's going to be the most popular place in the house here today. I don't know where they came from, but as far as I'm concerned, God sent manna from heaven in the Old Testament, and God sent Z-burgers to S-T-S-A today, okay? So everyone can grab themselves one of those, grab one for the whole family, all right? All right, so I know where we'll all be after church here today. All right, let's talk about our Blessed Series. Now, as I was saying, as I was making up the little intro trying to stall for them, what I want to talk about here today is I don't want to preach so much, and I don't want to teach so much. I just want to kind of call a place inside your heart today. Because the reason that we're doing all this talking about giving, and the reason that God wants us to give, and give generously, is not just so that we will be blessed. That's kind of like the initial, like when you have a child, you have to give them a little reward to try to convince them to do something. But there's a much greater purpose and a much greater cause that God has in store for us here. What I want to talk about today is not giving. I want to talk about today is caring. I don't want to talk about giving to receive. I want to talk about giving because we care. I want to talk about being burdened in the same way that our Lord Jesus Christ, who we say is our master and we are his disciples. burdened. I want to care like He cares about the world that's around us here today. Because if you look at it, if you look at who God is, you can use the word give and care interchangeably when it comes to God. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Father so loved, He cared so much that He gave His Son. The Son cared so much that He gave His life. And the Holy Spirit cared so much or loved so much That he gave of himself, and he put a little piece of himself, or he put, I should say his whole self, inside each one of us through the form of the spirit inside of us and the gifts that we talked about last week. All out of his care and his love. And now it's time for us to care and to give in response to his care and his giving. Verse that Jesus said right before he died, John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I discovered something about this verse. This verse does not mean what you think it means. This verse does not mean, greater. it does not say, greater love has no one this than to die for his friends. It's to lay down one's life for his friends. And there's a difference. Because here's what I discovered. It's a lot easier to die for something than to live for something. Agree? It's a lot easier to die for something than to live for something. Because to die for something requires a moment of courage. And we can muster up the courage at the right time to die for something. But to live for something requires a lifetime of commitment. And that, to me, is much more difficult. Because that's a long-term, daily, day-to-day commitment. And when Jesus said that greater love has no one this than to lay down his life for his friends, he wasn't asking us to die for him. He was asking us to live for him. And to live for his body here on earth. So today we're going to take a step back. We're going to answer the question... What is the church? Why do we do all that we do here? Why do we get together on Sundays? Like if there was no free Z-Burgers. if There was no singing. If there was no preacher man up here. Why is it that we get together on Sundays? What is it? You have heard me say this many, many, many times. That we especially here, because we don't have a church building. We are not, the church doesn't mean a building. What is the church? What is the church for? Why is it that we gather together? We're going to look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. And St. Paul tells us what the church is. It says that he, being Christ, is the head of the body, which is the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. What is the church? The church is the body of Christ. Think of a body, as you see one right here, and it's got a head, and it's got a body. The head is more important than the body, but the body... Is more, what's the right word? Prevalent than the head. You see a lot more of the body than you see the head, but the head is the one who controls all the stuff. Well, the church is a body, and it's a perfect body, because the head is Christ, and he's the head, and he's control center, and he tells the fingers when to move and the knee when to move and the ankle when to move, and that's what the head's job is. And if the head tells the arm to move and it doesn't, then there's a problem in the body. If the head, if my head sends signals to my fingers and they don't move, then there's a problem in the body. Jesus is the head, we're the body. And each one of us is a piece of that body, but an essential piece of that body without which the body wouldn't be complete. The reason why we did that little flash mob at the beginning, that beautiful flash mob, I should say at the beginning, is to show that as difficult as that was for each of those individuals who stood up and bravely sang lean on me with all their heart and passion, it would have been much more difficult if one person was by themselves. Became easier when two people did it. Became easier when three people did it. Became more effective when four people, five people, six people, seven people. And if the whole place was singing together, you can imagine the impact would be that much greater than one person singing by themselves. That's what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a symphony. You don't know how a symphony works? A symphony, you got a guy, or maybe a team of people doing like this. And you got a team of people doing like this, okay? And a team of people doing like this. And then you got one guy in the front doing like this. And each one of those people, by themselves, isn't of much value. The violin guy by himself, not much value. The, this guy by himself, the flute player, isn't of much value. The bass drum or whatever's in a symphony, all right, by himself isn't of much value. But when you put them all together, they make beautiful. Especially when they're all follow the maestro. Maestro is Jesus. Each one of us is a separate part of the body of Christ. By ourselves, not much value. Sports fans, I'm the best quarterback in the whole wide world. But if I don't play for a team, what's my value? I'm a soldier, best shot in the world, but I'm not part of an army. What value am I? I am um, a preacher, but I don't have a microphone guy. No value. Where only our value is found in the context of the body of Christ, which is when we are all together. We've been talking about giving in order to receive. Well, now I want to expand it and take it from a macro level, not a micro level, where if each one of us is giving our gifts, our time, our uh, uh, our richness, if each one of us is giving, what would the body look like? If each one of us is giving, what would the body look like? In that story of the five loaves and the two fish, if you remember, there was a little boy and he just had a small little lunchbox, not much, can't do much. When that little boy brought his gifts to the Lord, miracles happened. Now imagine if another boy the next day brought his gifts. And then another boy. And then another boy. And imagine the whole village came and brought all they had to Christ. That's what the body of Christ is like. That's what we remember every time we celebrate the Eucharist. Because in the Eucharist, what do we have? We bring bread. Ordinary bread. Not much value in bread. It's just bread. Everyone has bread. It's just bread. It's nothing valuable. Then bring some wine. Not everyone should have wine, but I mean, wine is not like a very uh, um, high-priced uh, commodity. It's just wine, and it's bread and it's wine, but it becomes the body and blood of Christ. How? It's in the offering. When we offer it, if we keep the bread and the wine in our pockets, it never become nothing. And if that little boy kept the lunch in his pocket, never become nothing. But the value is in the offering. Even the smallest thing to God. And watch him do a miracle. Does God, good question to think about. Does God need the offering to do a miracle? Yes or no? Does God need the offering to do the miracle? If you get the right answer, I'll give you a free burger at Z-Burger. Does God need the offering? No. You can't say God needs nothing. Let me ask a different question. Would God do the miracle without the offering? God doesn't need the offering, but he will not do the miracle without the offering. It's the mystery of God. God does not need that little boy's five loaves and two fish. God doesn't need me to bring bread and wine on Sunday. But you think God would do the miracle without it? God doesn't need it, but he won't do the miracle without it. That's who the body of Christ is. Write this down in your notes. The church is the means by which Jesus lives and works in the world today. The church is the means by which Jesus lives and works in the world today. The church is the hands of Christ. That when we bring our sandwich to the church and we offer our gifts to the body of Christ, it goes in the hands of Christ and it works in a magical, not magical, in a mystical kind of a way. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22. Jesus, St. Paul says, And he, being Jesus, put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all did you know that the church which is his body is the what the fullness of him who fills all in all because watch me on this one as much as Jesus when he was on this earth was perfect okay and was without sin and everything was perfect That was not the fullness of the plan of God. It wasn't. Because if the fullness was just Jesus himself and his teachings and his parables and his miracles, then he'd have just come down, written the Bible, and sent it off. But Jesus didn't come to write the Bible. Jesus didn't come just to deliver teachings. Jesus came to establish something. What did he come to establish? Church. That's why Jesus didn't leave this earth. He left the earth when there was no Bible. He left the earth when there was a lot of teachings that weren't around. But he didn't leave this earth until he established the church. Last verse of the gospel according to St. Matthew, right before Jesus ascends to heaven. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus didn't come just to teach us. Jesus didn't even come just to die for us. Jesus came to establish us as his body where he dwells on this earth now. Because from the very, very beginning of time, God wanted a place to dwell amongst his people. And that's why God said, let's start with a garden. And God dwelt in the garden with his people. And then that garden thing didn't work out. So they had man had to leave. And God said, okay, let's try a tabernacle. But the people didn't get that and then the tabernacle led to the temple and the temple ultimately led to Jesus himself coming in the flesh saying that I'm the temple. That's why he said destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it. I'm the temple. Dwell in me. But even that wasn't the fullness. The fullness was when he ascended up to heaven and said I'm going to leave you guys here but I'm going to give you myself. Give you my spirit. You become one body. And you know what happens when you're all together? Even the gates of Hades shall not prevail against this church. Even the gates of Hades cannot take down this church when it's functioning as a body together under the authority of the head. I'm the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. Jesus said, I'm leaving. I was in Jerusalem. I'm leaving. But someone needs to go to Arlington. I don't have time to go to Arlington. It's not possible for me to go to Arlington and there and there and there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a body and y'all go to Arlington. And when you're together and you're united, I'll work in a, in a magnificent way through you. When each one is offering their gifts, Arlington won't know what hit it. Because the Bible says that even the gates of Hades won't know what hit it. So, gates of Hades, Arlington, okay, not even close. Jesus left us to be his body here in Arlington. What would that body look like when that body's functioning in Arlington properly? Book of Acts. This was the body in Jerusalem. Same body. Just a little bit older. Different city. Same body. Because it's the same head. It's the same head, so it's the same body. Acts 2, verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul. and Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Many wonders and signs through the body. Acts 4, 33. With great power, the apostles, the body, gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Acts 11, 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Who's them? It was with the body. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. How did these apostles, who were scaredy cats, were cowards, were untrained, uneducated men, how through them many wonders and signs, great power, great grace, and great number believed and turned to the Lord? How? How did that happen? To the church. Because the way it works is, is that Jesus gives power to the body, to the church, and then the church gives power to the individual. Jesus. Gives power to the body, the church, and the church gives power to the individual. By themselves, Saint Peter, Saint Paul, Saint John, any of those guys, by themselves would not have been as powerful. Not even nearly. It would have had no power without being connected to the body. But inside the body, even the weakest and scariest, caddest of them all, inside the body was ultimately the most powerful one in the city. Why? Because it's the body that has the power, not the individual. It's not me, and it's not you, and it's no one here in this room. It's just like this picture right here of the tree with the trunk and the roots. It's the roots where all the stuff is at, where all the power is at. And if we are a branch connected, then we have all that power. And if we are disconnected, we have no power, nothing in between. Nothing in between. Jesus gives power to the church, and the church then gives power to the individual. Y'all have heard me give that example before. said it a couple times about the straw. Okay, this is a real example. About after Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, they found a straw, a plastic straw. Okay, like a flimsy little plastic straw. Inside a telephone pole, a big, thick telephone pole, a plastic straw was embedded inside that straw. How'd that happen? If me and you and all of us together take our straws, Okay, and we try to jab them into that telephone pole. Think that'd be successful? How if we tried for a day, two days, three days, four days? How if we ate our spinach and our Z burgers, and we're all loaded up with muscles and protein, all that kind of stuff? Any any chance we are able to accomplish that? What's the only way able to accomplish that? Hurricane Katrina had 175 mile an hour winds. 175 mile an hour winds gives even the flimsiest straw power to do stuff, to make an impact, to cause a difference. What's the 175 mile an hour winds? Church. When you connect me, I'm flimsy. When you connect me into the body, I'm powered. You disconnect me from the body, I'm flimsy. When connected to the body, Acts 17 verse 6, this is what happens. Those who have, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. These Who were scared and who ran for their lives when they saw the soldiers coming. These same people, now part of the body of Christ, empowered by the Spirit of God, turn the world upside down. You know what that means? When we are empowered by the Spirit of God inside the body of Christ, that means the dead will find life. That means the blind will see, the deaf will hear. The mute will speak. This is not my words. This is the words of the Bible. Is that when we are connected and the power of God is working... Mountains won't be an obstacle. Mountains move out the way. Seas can split. Uh, Five loaves and two fish can feed thousands of people when we are connected to the body of Christ and all of us are offering our gifts inside that body. That's why I want to borrow a phrase. I don't know if you all ever heard. There's a pastor in Chicago, pastor of a big church. His name is Bill Hybels. All ever heard of Bill Hybels? He wrote a great book called Too Busy Not to Pray. He wrote lots of books, but that's by far my favorite one. Too Busy Not to Pray. Great book. He has a statement that he always says, like it's kind of his catchphrase. And what he always says is, he says is the local church is the hope of the world. The local church, us, is the hope of the world. And he talks about where this kind of statement came from. And I'll tell you the same story that he tells in his books. The story began, or the story it came from, One time, he was sitting in an airport in Honduras, and he was waiting to travel to come back home to the United States of America. And while he's sitting there on his way, and sitting in the airport, he's sitting there and he's reading a magazine or the newspaper or whatever it is that he's doing. He's tired from a long trip, and all of a sudden, while he's sitting there, at the corner of his eye, okay, and on this side of him, he hears a loud smack. So he turns over, and he sees one boy is approximately 10, 11 years old, hit another boy who is about seven, eight years old. And he assumes most likely that they're brothers. And he hears this loud smack. And he turns over. And as he turns over, he sees that the little boy that was hit is on the ground now. And the other boy is now standing on top of him. And he goes for a second smack. And the boy is screaming and cursing and kicking and swinging and he's of course as anyone in the airport you say where's the parents no parents round so by the time the kid cocked his arm for the third swing Bill Heibel said I gotta get up and I gotta do something so he walks over there he storms over there by this time the kid had gotten a third smack and now the big kid was taking the little kid's head and smashing it on the floor of the airport and this little kid was full of rage and anger and it's as close to demon possessed as you could see someone and the little kid is screaming and cursing at him. So Bill Heibel said he tries to get over there and tries to wrestle the kid away. And as he's pulling the kid away, the kid is kicking and screaming and spitting and cursing. And the kid is just out of control. Then all of a sudden he hears over the loudspeaker that it's time for his flight to board. So he's thinking to himself, I can't leave the situation because there's clearly no parents. And then someone from the stewardess comes over and said, takes care of the situation and separates the kids or something like that. Whatever happens after that. He gets on the airplane. He gets on the airplane. And he does what he was planning on doing on the airplane. He tries to go to sleep. But after seeing something like that, you just can't go to sleep. That much anger, that much rage, especially from a boy on his, on his little brother. He feels inside him the Holy Spirit is saying, don't go to sleep. Process what just happened. So he begins to process it. And he begins to think it through. He starts to ask himself questions. What is it? that would make any child behave like that child behaved? What would make any child so angry, so violent? He started to think to himself, it must be that that child has been very, very hurt. Because hurt people hurt people. And that child must have been significantly hurt either by his parents, by his friends, by by his uh, older brother, who knows? That child has been hurt and hurt significantly because nothing else would cause a human being to be that angry and that violent unless they have been hurt and hurt in a serious, serious way. So then he thinks to himself, what is going to happen to this child if nothing changes about his hurt? What's the trajectory of his life? Where's this kid going to end up? Is this kid going to end up? The valedictorian of high school? Unlikely. He gonna end up as the star quarterback of the football team? Not likely. This kid gonna end up as, as a successful member of society? Unlikely. Because if this guy is throwing fists at such a young age against his brother, who knows what he's gonna be throwing when he gets to high school? Maybe start throwing knives. Maybe he's gonna start having access to more serious weapons like guns. And the trajectory of this kid's life, let's be honest, is most likely not in a good place. Most likely he's gonna get himself into trouble, after trouble, after trouble, until he gets to a legal age, where they can put him in jail, and he'll probably spend the majority of his life going in and out of jail. Unless something inter- intercepts this boy's life, and acts in this life, the trajectory of his life is not in a good place. Agree? Then he started to think to himself, what can change that trajectory? What can make a difference? A new president? new government? A new law? Technology? Money? Would money solve his problem? Started to think to himself, and he said, no. He said, there's only one thing that can change that boy. There's only one thing, only one thing that can change hate to love. That can change selfish to selfless. Greed to giving. and That one thing Is the power of the risen Christ. Agree or disagree? What could change St. Paul other than uh, uh, the power of the risen Christ? Had he not seen Christ in front of him, unlikely that his life would have changed its trajectory. But when he ran into the risen Christ, his life did a 180, complete U-turn. And same thing for this boy. Unless Christ acts in this boy's life in a powerful and real way, unless this boy is introduced to a love that he didn't think was possible. A healing that he didn't know exists. Unless this boy is introduced to the same healing and love that the Samaritan woman saw. When she went to the well. And she met Jesus. It's unlikely this boy is going to change his life in any way. But. If this boy does run into Jesus. Does run into his power. His life can look completely different. Agree? Now here's the key. It made him say what he said. The power of the risen Christ. Where can I find it today? Where is it located? Where can I buy it? Or rent it? Or download it? Only one place. The power of the risen Christ has been entrusted to the church. The local church. Said another way. That unless, if this boy, let's take this boy, take him out of Honduras, let's say he lives in Arlington. Let's say he lives somewhere down here. If this boy doesn't run into the church, if someone from the church doesn't reach out and intercept this boy, then this boy, the trajectory of his life is going off the deep end and is going into a bad place. The only way that this boy finds hope and finds life and finds healing is that somebody from the church, and who's the church? I'm the church and you're the church. We are the church. Intercepts this boy and shows him and says, boy, I know you've been hurt. I know you've seen a lot of pain. Let me tell you where to find healing. Let me show you, introduce you to the healer himself, the physician of our souls, our bodies, and our spirits. Unless somebody intercepts this boy and introduces him to the power of the risen Christ, then this boy, his life is never going to change. That's what made Bill Hybel say that the church, the church is the most important organization in the world because it's the only organization in the world that can change people's lives. As the only place, like I said, government ain't gonna change anyone's life. It may, it, may, it may influence it for four years, maybe eight years, okay, mess up your retirement fund, that's all it might do, but it can't change your life. Technology can't change your life, money can't change your life, and if it does, it doesn't change it for a positive way. Only thing that's gonna change your life for the positive way is the power of Christ, which is contained inside the body of Christ which is me and you and everyone else is sitting around here on these chairs. When his body is functioning at its peak, like I said, Arlington won't know what hit it. But when this body is not functioning at its peak, you know what's going to happen? You'll find little boys, like that little boy, who's going to pass over, and his life never going to be changed. You'll find single moms fall off into hopelessness. You'll find hurt little boys and hurt little girls live their whole life not knowing that there's healing available to them. Why? If we the church are not functioning in the proper way. That's why like I said today, I'm not trying to teach you nothing. I'm not trying to teach you. I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to be a part of the greatest organization in the world. Where our CEO is God himself. Our CEO is the only one ever to walk on the face of this earth, die, and then walk back on this earth again and ascend it up to heaven. He's the leader of this organization. He's the maestro who calls the shots. And I'm inviting you not to be the leader but to play your part. And if you're a violin guy, violin man. If you're a drum guy, drum. If you are a teacher, teach. If you are administration and organize administrate and organize man but do it in the context of the body of christ because then you are helping the organization which is going to change the world it may not change the world but i bet you it will change the world for people like that little boy and that lady and that man and whoever it might be because when you use your gifts in the context of the body of christ your gifts go beyond what you see you see five loaves two fish but you don't see How those five loaves and two fish might be helping so many people find life. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says it so eloquently. St. Paul says, we are God's fellow workers. Man, when I read that verse, I'll give you a picture of what that verse says. That verse, y'all work for companies. And in companies, there's hierarchies. There's org charts. And the best is to be at the top of the org chart in the world. You want to be that guy in that top box. Imagine that guy in that top box walks by your desk tomorrow morning as you're sitting there drinking your cup of coffee and closing your email real quick as soon as you see him. He walks by and he says, I got a special project and I want you to work with me on it. What are you going to say? You're going to say, Let me think about it. You're going to say, Well, I'm kind of busy because my boss who's 15 degrees below you. She asked me to make some photocopies today. You're gonna say, you tell me where to go. You tell me what to say. Tell me where to sign up. CEO walks by your desk, puts sand on your shoulder, says, hey, I want you to join me on this special project. That's what this verse is saying. That's what this verse is saying, is God himself is putting his hand on your shoulder, saying, I want you to work with me. But me? I'm the coffee getter guy. I'm the photocopy guy. I don't want, I'm not in the boardroom kind of guy. He says, I want you to work with me. You just offer what little you got. You just be that boy. The five loaves and two fish. You just offer it. You give it into the hands of Christ. You give it to the body of Christ. And you just watch. You be part of the best team in the whole wide world. And the, and the, and the, the gifts that you offer. Whether it be, again, I'm, I'm interchangeably, I'm using your spiritual gifts, your financial gifts, the giving, the giving that you do. You say, I don't have any gifts, but I, I can give financially. That's your gift. The Bible says that that's actually a spiritual gift, the gift of giving. Some people, that's their gift. Okay, God gave them a generous heart. and it's gift. So whatever it may be, whatever gift that you got, you give it into the hands of the body of Christ and you watch what he does. The other option is to keep your gift to yourself. And unfortunately, in this story, there's only two extremes. There's no in-between. Either you give, or you withhold. And you know what happens if you withhold. We looked at that parable before, the parable of Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. We won't bring it up again. About the master who gave to each one the talents. Five, two, and one. Each one gave them a separate amount of talents. and At the end of the day, he called them into the office and says, I gave you this, what you do with it? One says, I gave it back to you. He says, you're the best, come on in here. Another one said, I used it, I had less than that guy. He said, I don't care how much, I care how much you hold back. I don't care how much you give, I care how much you hold back. Guy said, I only had two, that guy had five, no fair. He said, don't worry about the guy with five, you got two, just give me the two. I gave you the two. Okay, come in, you have the same reward as that guy. Because I don't care what you give, I care what you hold back. And another guy said, I only had one measly little talent. Just one little measly one. And I saw that one talent wasn't going to do much value. It wasn't going to do much good. I didn't have much to offer. And the master says, but you held it back? It doesn't end good for that guy. At the end of the day, we don't know much about judgment day, but we know this for certain. We will stand before the judge and he will take account of the gifts that he has given to us. What did we do with them? First thing he's going to say, I think, say, I gave you my son. Like I said, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I gave you my son. What did you do with my son? Did you leave my son over there in the corner? Did you live hands away, like arm's length from my son? Or did you embrace my son and follow my son and live your life in obedience to my son? What did you do with my son? Next, he's going to say, I gave you gifts. What did you do with the gifts I gave you? I gave you this church. What did you do with this church? I gave you your family. I gave you the blessings that we talked about in week one and week two. I gave you all that stuff. And what did you do with it? It's better to think of the answer to these things now versus then. It's better to think through the exam before the exam as opposed to when the exam is in front of me. Like I said, my job today wasn't to teach anything. My job today was to invite you. Next week we're going to have this volunteer fair, like we sang this fantastic little song about earlier. And the volunteer fair is great, chance for you to offer your gifts, a chance for you to sign up and get involved. But I think today is more important than next week because today we're going to set the foundation for next week because what you end up doing next week will ultimately be a fruit of your surrender to God and your submission to God. And you standing before God and saying, God, all that I have is yours. You've given me and given me and giving me and given me. Well, now I'm going to give it back. And I will not withhold anything. These hands, like I told you all, when we pray, one of the things that we kind of, like one of the little cultural things, the ritual things that we do in the Orthodox Church, we always pray. We pray with our hands up like this. Okay? Some people are like, why do we pray with our hands up like this? I don't know why, but I kind of like it. Because it's nice. What, 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 I'm not holding anything back from God. Look, my hands are empty. I won't pray like this. okay? I won't pray like this. That whatever I have. God, I have my time here. You take my time. I have money here. Take the money. You, I have my health. Take my health. Whatever I have, Lord, it's in your hands. And I pray to you like this. Because I know that when the CEO comes by me and says like this and asks for like this, and I go like this. The oh, one I'm going to get back is bigger than this. Because you never can ever out give God. My challenge for you today is to surrender to God whatever it is that you got. What I'm going to do is if our music team has gotten a workout today, I'm going to invite our music team to come back up. Okay, This time sing a serious song. Okay? So that we can kind of conclude in the right kind of a way. I want you to think about what this church would look like when each one of us is functioning. I'm sorry, when it is functioning with each one of us offering our gifts and our talents, whatever they may be. And we're going to stand before God. We're going to sing this nice song here together. We're not just going to sing the words. We're going to sing it from our hearts. We're going to ask God, okay, to give us that same heart that that little boy had. Okay, if you're not feeling that you got that heart of giving and generosity, ask God to give you the heart of that little boy. He's the icon of this series. That little boy who had just a little sandwich and a little piece of fish. And he offered it up to God. And God did the greatest blessing, the greatest miracle ever. Okay? Let's stand up together.
1: always by my side the one who reigns forever he is a friend of mine the god of angel armies is always by my side my strength is in your name for you alone can save you will deliver me yours is the victory whom shall i fear whom shall i fear i know who goes before me i know who stands behind the god of angel armies is always by my side the one who reigns forever he is a friend of mine the god of angel armies is always by my side and nothing formed against me shall stand you hold the whole world in your hands I'm holding on to your promises you are faithful you are faithful and nothing formed against me shall stand
0: you hold the whole world in your hands
1: I'm holding on to your promises you are faithful you are faithful you are faithful I know who goes before me I know who stands is always by my side the one who reigns forever he is a friend of mine the god of angel armies is always by my side
0: in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit one god amen lord we know that you are here with us And we know that you've invited us today to be part of something great, something bigger than any one of us can do on our own. We thank you, Lord, that you see value in us and you see something worth inviting in each one of us. And we pray, Lord, that this day we can offer to you everything that we have. And and maybe there's some things, Lord, that we're holding back from you, but I pray, Lord, that you'd give to us the same spirit that you gave that little boy Offer to you everything that we have, trusting that, that whatever you have to give us will always be more than we give you. Always, Lord. No one can ever say that they've given you and you haven't been generous in return. We trust you, Lord, that the only way to live a life of blessing, and the only way for our church to be blessed, and the only way for our, our city and our, and our state and our country to be blessed is when we offer to you what you have given to us, Lord. Thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. And we pray, Lord, that, that you would do a mighty work here in Arlington, in the D.C. area, through this body, that you'd help us to each to find our role, whatever it may be, even if it's the smallest little role, help us each to find our role so that this body can really do wonders. And, and like they said about the apostles in the early church, they turned the world upside down. I pray, Lord, that when all of us make it up to your kingdom and we look back and, and, and we see the work that you did here, that, that you would say the same thing about us, we turned arlington upside down and you would reward each one of us in accordance with that pray lord that you would accept our prayers this day in the name of your only begotten son our lord jesus christ and with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints here's lord as we pray thankfully our father Father, who art in heaven heaven, hallowed hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy thy will be done on on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Against us. lead us not into temptation, temptation, but deliver us from the evil, evil one. Through Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all very much. Have a great week. And I'll see you next week at the Volunteer Fair and maybe today over at z